Come on, say it with conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we indeed thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we come this morning to hear your word, I thank you that chains will be broken. Right perceptions or wrong perceptions will be made right. Hearts will be fixed. Lives will be changed. And signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word as we hear it, apply it, and expect your promises to manifest. And so as I back up, I ask you to move forward. And as I decrease, I ask you to increase. And I pray that the Spirit of God will minister to each one of our hearts. Let what is taught today not only be real and realistic, but Father, let it be relevant to each one of those lives who are listening right now. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today I hope to complete a shotgun message. Everybody say shotgun message. That I started on last Sunday. And the shotgun message, as I said on last week, is an independent message outside of a series that I get an opportunity to share uh, so that, you know, there are times where in between the series, God may put something in my heart. And I really believe that this message will expose one of Satan's number one tools that he uses to defeat the average believer or Christian. So let's try to complete our journey this morning on the same subject that we had on last week, and that is overcoming persecution. And if you're taking notes, just put part two on that. And the goal of today's message is to help clarify the purpose, the process, and most of all, understand the promise that God gives us when we encounter persecution. So get ready, put your seatbelt on, and open up your heart to move forward to overcome persecution. Now I want you to find the same two verses of scripture that we had last week. And that was John chapter 15 verse 20. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. I'll say those again. John chapter 15 verse 20. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 12. And on last week one of the things that we did right up front is that we destroyed a myth regarding persecution. Which is if I live right. And do right most of the time, I will never experience persecution or difficult times in my life. And that is a myth. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's a lie. Now look at him again and say, last week, I told you not to call me no liar. <laughs> and we uncovered this myth by viewing persecution from a biblical perspective. 
Now, the Bible definition of the word persecution is uh, what I want to repeat so we can all stay on the same page. It means to make one run, to flee or put to flight, to harass, to trouble, or to accuse. It also means, watch this, in a religious sense, to trouble one who is striving toward a spiritual goal. It is to trouble one from striving toward a spiritual goal. And so I want you to broaden your perspective on what persecution is saying because what it's really meaning is anything that would make us run, anything that will cause us to feel harassed, or anything that will keep us from striving toward reaching a spiritual goal is considered persecution. And that's why so many believers end up being offended in churches because something may happen in that church and the goal of the devil is to cause that thing to create persecution for you because he knows it's going to stop you from just coming to church, period. I met a lady about uh, a month ago. Uh, I knew her years ago. Uh, and uh, I was in a store and I saw her and we began to talk. And, uh, you know, she... Uh, obviously saw me on the billboard with Joel or something, and we started talking about Joel, and she says, yes, you know, uh, I love Joel. I buy all of his products. She says, all of my money go there. I'm assuming her tithe and her offering goes there, and she lives here in the Metroplex. And so I say, you're not attending church? And because her last church has some issues, she did not realize that she had not been in church for seven years. And so you have to broaden your perspective on persecution because persecution is anything that will keep you from striving toward reaching a spiritual goal. And that's why you have to view anything that happens to you correctly. Because now something happen on a, happening on a consistent basis, it's your response to that thing that's going to determine if you're viewing it as persecution or not. So if the devil knows that your kids acting up is going to cause you to go backwards and start cussing again, mistrusting again, become manipulating and controlling again, if he knows that all of that's going to happen, if he knows that you hearing your husband talk on the phone to somebody that you don't know, if he knows that's going to cause suspicion, People call it discernment. I don't. I call it nosiness. <laughs> if it's going to create insecurity, then he's going to always make something look like it's not. Amen. So in John chapter 15, verse 20, remember now, this is what Jesus said. He says, remember the word that I say unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. And if you, they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours. What he was saying based on our definition is this. If they have persecuted and troubled me as I achieve my spiritual purpose, then they will also persecute you and trouble you as you achieve your spiritual purpose. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, which is where I told you to go, Paul said this to Timothy. He says, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus Read it with me. Shall suffer persecution. He says if you are living like Jesus Christ, if you are striving to live this Christian experience, he says you're going to be troubled, harassed, and 
Watch this. Things will happen that will want to cause you to flee from what you believe. So the first point that we made on last week was that persecution has a purpose. And because I didn't cover this verse in this particular uh, service, I want you to go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And this is new information from, uh, from last week. Mark chapter 4. Persecution has a purpose. And the purpose that I said on last week is is for persecution to steal the word that you have heard so it won't take root and bear some fruit. Because really, you can really look at uh, persecution one or two ways. You can look at it from allowing you to be demoted or you can use it to allow you to be promoted. And in Mark chapter 4, it really outlines the purpose of persecution because in verse, I'm going to start in verse 14. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, Mark 4, 14. He says, the sower sows the word. And then there are they that are by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they heard the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away what class? The word that was sown in their heart. So he's after the word. And so now if you look in verse 17, he says, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a time afterwards when affliction or what? persecution why is it coming it arises for what the word's sake so they can become what offended so watch this persecution comes for the word so the the purpose of persecution is to try to dig the word up in your life and the enemy's job is to use that persecution to frustrate us to intimidate us and eliminate us from obeying God for our lives now point number two last week which I'm going to dwell on just a little bit is persecution has a process and this is the part that I didn't finish that I want you to really see because persecution starts on the ends on the outside with the goal of working its way on the inside That's really the purpose of persecution. It works on the outside starting out, but the goal really is to work its way on the inside. It's designed to make us focus on what is happening to us instead of what is happening for us. I'm going to say that again. The goal or the persecution is designed to make us focus on what is happening to us instead of what is happening for us. And remember, last week I started this process of how persecution works. And this is how it works. First of all, God will give you a promise. And that promise is going to come from the word, from his spirit, or from somebody maybe prophesying over you. But the, the word comes. And then after the word has come, our job is to make that word personal. Everybody say personal. And we make it personal by applying our faith. But here's the problem. In between us hearing the word and making it personal, persecution comes. Because persecution does not want you to make the word personal. And you make the word personal by applying your faith. And there are four things you do to apply your faith. You intake the word, which comes by hearing. You meditate on the word. You saturate on the word. And you communicate the word. And so what happened is persecution is just like medicine. Medicine has side effects. Landon, last week, we discovered when we took him to the doctor that he had the flu. And so what they did, they assigned him an antibiotic for the flu. And because none of us had it, they thought it would be a great idea to put us all on the medication. So our whole house was taking this flu medication, but every time I took it, it made me feel bad. In other words, that's why I don't have a full voice. 
I don't feel bad. I sound bad, but I don't feel bad because one of the side effects, say side effects. One of the side effects is that it, you know, it messes up your throat. And so I'm experiencing a side effect from some medicine I take. And there are side effects. Everybody say side effects. There are side effects from persecution. Amen. And I want to share with you what some of these side effects are. Because these side effects will determine how you respond to persecution. Amen. So here's the first. We'll go to Genesis 3. We left off here. Genesis 3. Here's the first uh, side effect from persecution is deception. In other words, something happens to you, something that's on the persecuting level happens to you. Somebody may be talking about it, somebody may be hating on it, somebody may be harassing you, or the same problem is reoccurring in your life, and because you haven't learned to respond to it wrong, it continues to be persecution in your life. That's why Paul said none of these things move me. He said that so he could remind himself and the devil that it don't matter what you throw my way, I'm not going to go backwards spiritually. And so in Genesis chapter 3, I want to show you here a key because because of persecution now, Eve became deceived in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the word subtle now means sly and tricky. He was more sly and tricky than any other field, uh, any other animals in the field. And watch this. And he said, everybody say he said. Now, remember, the process of persecution is God gives you a promise. Well, the opposite of the process of persecution, if God gives you a promise, then the devil will give you one too. And normally, the promise from the devil is the opposite of the promise of God. And so what he does, he feeds you his promise, which is always a lie. The Bible says Satan is the father of lies. So guess what? He feeds. So guess, now here it is. You, you know, you're confessing God's word. His word says that by his stripes you are healed. And so what you do, you begin to, you know, you read that promise. And then the devil says, but you're sick and you ain't going to never get well. You're going to die with cancer. Your mama did. Your grandmama did. Your great-great-grandmama did. And your, your daughter is too when she gets your age. He's giving you a promise. Now remember, what's after now? Receiving the word. I have to now intake the word. I have to hear it. And then I have to meditate on it. And so his goal is to cause you to meditate on his promise. And one of the things that you do when you meditate, you start thinking about what he says. And that's what happened to Eve. Because we can see here in verse 2, it's, or verse 1, it says, And he said to the woman, everybody say, that's a promise. He said to her, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, what she should have said was, get ye behind me, Satan, just like Jesus did over in the book of Matthew. But she said, but she said, oh, we may eat of any tree of the fruit of the garden, but of the tree that is in the midst of God, God has said we shall not eat it, neither shall we touch it, lest we die. And then the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Everybody say he's about to mix some, watch this, he's about to mix truth. See, the only way to believe a lie and be deceived is for it to have a little bit of truth in it sometimes. He says to her, Oh, you will not die. God knows when the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. You will be as God's and you will know good from evil. Well, first of all, how can I be like somebody I'm already like? And that's the lie she bought. He said, you're going to be like God. Yeah, I'm already like God. 
See, me, I'd have said, well, maybe I would have. I don't know. But I, I, I'd have liked to think I would say, I'm already like God, fool. Get ye behind me. <laughs> but she began to meditate on it. And then finally, we know the story. The Bible says in verse 6, she saw that the tree was good. Now she done moved from the meditating realm to the touching realm. Everybody say deception. And deception is to believe something that is not true because you have given credence, credit, or a cause to what someone has said. I'm going to say that again. Deception is to believe something that is not true because you have given credence, credit, or a cause to believe what someone has said. Uh, and the word deceive here in the Old Testament means to roam from safety and truth. So when he deceived her, because the New Testament says Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. So the devil caused her to roam from safety and truth because she listened to him too much. She let his promise of a lie get in her heart. Amen. Everybody say deception. Here's the second one. Offense. Offense. Now remember, these are side effects. Everybody say side effects. These are side effects. Of what persecution does. Go now to Matthew chapter 11. I can see now I'm not going to finish. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, here's what I want you to see. Persecution has these side effects. And the goal is to get these side effects to work. And one of the side effects is offense. And boy this person who let this happen in their life should have known better. His name was John the Baptist. Look at Matthew 11. I'm going to start now in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to preach in their cities. Watch this in verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him. Now let's just stop right here before we read it, finish reading. Remember, John the Baptist was the one who introduced Jesus Christ on the scene. Outside of even the spiritual side of that, he was Jesus, his cousin. So God spoke to John the Baptist and said, there's going to be one that comes. And when you are baptizing him, you're going to see the, the dove or the Holy Spirit as a dove come down on him. And it might have been coming down on others and going back up, but it's going to stay on this person. And this person, you're, you're not even worthy to untie their shoes, but I want you to baptize them. And so when Jesus showed up on the scene, John announced who Jesus was. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who, brings a, who takes away the sin. And then he says, here's the person, I'm not even worthy to untie their shoe. And in fact, he wouldn't even have baptized Jesus unless Jesus said, listen, I need you to do this because we need prophecy to be, be, to be fulfilled. So I want you to see this because now John is in some trouble. He's been persecuted on for now, watch this introducing the person who's going to change mankind. And so they send him to prison and they are about to chop his head off. And so now he's in prison and he's now wondering something. Let's see what happens. And he said to his disciples, go and say unto him, are you he that, that should, look, should come or do we look for another, notice what John began to believe because of his persecution. He shared it with his disciples in a negative way. Because he went from me to we. 
He started convincing them. Man, I don't know if this is the guy right here. Because if, he, if they wouldn't have, notice he says, or do we look for another? So he started telling them, I don't know if this is the right cat or not. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show again those things which you do here. Watch this. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he, watch this, because we're talking about what's the second offense or the second side effect? Offense. Watch what he says. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be what? Offended in me. Now watch what happened because I thought this was interesting. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what you went out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they will wear uh, that wear soft clothing or in king's houses. But what you went to see is a prophet. Yes, I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this, he's talking about John the Baptist, of whom I was written, Behold, I'll send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare the way before you. Verily I say unto you, he's talking to the crowd about John. Among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he is that in the, in the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, I want you to notice something here. Jesus' perception and view of John did not change. But see, most of the time, when people are offended, they normally feel that the person they're offended from feels that way toward them too. But Jesus said, no, 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 just because he's offended about me, I'm not going to let myself get offended because, by him because I know who he is, even though he don't know right now who I am. Amen. And that's why any small thing that something somebody will do to somebody who's offended, they will look at it and go, oh, see, I, I, I know they're offended by me. Because if somebody offended you, and let's say they walked by you and didn't even really see you and don't speak, see, I knew they were offended. And so now you are carrying a double offense. You are offended because of what they didn't really probably do. And then you're offended because you think they are offended on you. Everybody say, that's a side effect. Here's another one, and we'll close right here, even though I am completely out of time. But I, I, I just, I want to cover this one. Can I cover this one? Okay. Here's, a, here's the side effect number three. When you're going through persecution, typically one of the side effects is uh, 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 encountering people who stir up mess. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to cover this one. I don't care if we don't have no break between the service. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look in verse 11. Now I just want to show you something. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 11. Let me show you here. We're going to stay with the life of Paul. And in verse 11 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, he says this. He says, persecutions and afflictions which came to me where class? Come on class. At Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, these persecutions I endured. 
but out of them all the Lord delivered me. But I read that to show you that he encountered some persecutions in the city of Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Now go now to Acts chapter 13. Go to Acts 13 because I'm going to show you now what happens when people encounter persecution. Now, Paul handled this right, but the people around him didn't. Acts chapter 13 now. Look in verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. If not, look on the screen. Now, when Paul, I'm starting in verse 13. Now, when Paul and his company were loosed from Paphos, they came to Persia in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But they, when they departed from Persia... They came where, class? To where? Now, was Antioch one of the places that he said he was going to experience persecution? Okay, so let's see what happened. And they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law, he read and taught the word and the prophets of the rulers. And the synagogue sent it to him saying, you men and brethren, if you have any word of excitation for the people, they say, keep talking. In other words, they started preaching and they say, preach on. So now drop down to verse 47. Acts chapter 13, verse 47. Watch now verse 47. He says, for so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were what, class? Man, they said, man, God sent you just for us. They were glad and they glorified the what? The word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, what happened to them? They believed. Watch this now. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Read the next word with me. Come on, say it. Say it out loud. But. God can be moving and there is always a but that gets in the way. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is your butt in the way? Now look at him again and say, keep it in context, keep it in context. God was moving. But it said, but the Jews, the religious people. The Christians who thought they were better than everybody stirred up. Everybody say, that sounds messy right there. They stirred up. Watch this now. Now notice who they stirred up. They stirred up the devout and honorable men, women. The women who had influence are the ones that they say, let's get to them because we know they're gossipers. Oh, I know they're honorable and I know they're devout, but they ain't going to keep their mouth shut. So let's get some influence on them. So we, they stirred them up. And then watch this. And the chief men of the city, they say, oh, no, let's not, let's don't get the low dogs. Let's get the big dogs. Get the men who are standing at the gate. Let's, let's get the elders and let's get the, 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 you know, the pastors and let's get people who are in high ranking positions and let's stir them up. And watch this. And it raised what? Persecution against Paul. And then they got throughout of the coast. Let me just throw this in here for free. Never follow the crowd. Always follow the, the cloud. It, 
if the ultimate leader is not going in the direction of a sub-leader, don't follow the sub-leader. Follow the leader. Paul put it like this. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. I love that because he didn't say follow Jesus. He said, follow me while I follow Christ. Now, you're following Christ anyway because if he's following Christ, you're following Christ as you follow him. But see, sometimes what people do, they follow somebody who ain't even following the vision. And you, I'm talking to somebody right now. Oh, Jesus Christ, somebody, you are risking your job because you're following a fool. They are trying to get you to rise up against your boss. I'm talking, I'm telling you, I know what I'm feeling right now. Somebody in here today, there's a situation and somebody is raising up against the boss. And they're trying to get this group of people together to prove that this boss is wrong. But see, the problem with that is if you are delegated authority, you don't have the right to raise up another group against your boss, right or wrong. I mean, there's a way to handle things. See, if you handle it that way, all you're doing is handling it just like they did in the Old Testament. Let me tell you something. Uh, 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 Miriam, there's a lady named Miriam in the Old, Old Testament. She was Moses' sister. And Moses, y'all may not have known this, but Moses married a black lady. And Miriam, his sister, didn't like it. So she got Aaron and, and, and all, you know, she got people to gang up and say, we don't like what, you know, you just a man like us. We don't like who you married. Do you know that God put leprosy on that lady? The same person she criticized had to pray for that leprosy to be lifted off of her. So I don't know whoever you are this morning. In fact, every head by, I'm not finished, but you know I'm going to finish right here. Every head by, I don't know who I was talking to. And I don't know if these people have already come to you to try to rally against your boss. But God don't want you to do that. Because all this person is doing is stirring up mess. And it's going to end up backfiring on them and you. But you don't know that. Because you've been having the same feelings about yourself. And it's only because they have been bleeding or messing on you. Criticizing and biting, backbiting and I'm not sure who I'm talking to, but I know I'm talking to somebody. And I just want to pray that deception doesn't sink in and that it stops today. Who am I talking to with every head by and every eye closed about the job situation? Just raise your hand right there at your seat. Right there at your seat. Come on, raise it up real high. I see a hand right here. I see a hand right there. Anybody else? I see a hand right here. I see a hand right there in the back. Anybody else? I see a hand back there. Anybody else? Pastor, that is me. I, I, I feel it. Amen. Put your hand down. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for their honesty and I pray today that you've shown them the light that the mess is a side effect of persecution hallelujah and if they will remain faithful Lord I pray that if there is something wrong in the order and the rank within that corporation and Father, if you see it fit to remove that boss, I pray that you will give the person who just raised their hand an opportunity to take that position. And I thank you that they'll be able to take it without literally kicking the person out. They'll be able to keep their hands clean and know that you are God. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you. 
for opening the eyes of every person to really what persecution is all about because it's really all about creating side effects in our, in our lives and in our hearts so that Father we, we won't see properly because if we see properly the word will become a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior the only reason you haven't is because you've been deceived by the enemy to say oh you know what you're going to live forever or you know what there's really not a heaven